0: This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join.
1: Creativity is the only thing that can't be outsourced to someone, you know, across the world or to a computer. So it's really my belief that creatives rule the world because your creativity is the thing that moves commerce and
2: business and
1: everything forward.
2: I believe that the opposite of depression
0: Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is giving my listeners two months of Skillshare for free. You can get unlimited access to thousands of classes. Go to www.skillshare.com dreamjob2 to start your two months now. Also, thanks to ShipStation. Right now, you can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code dreamjob. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, I hope you guys are having just a really good day. Hope you're feeling awesome. I did a lot of fun stuff this weekend. We went to a bar mitzvah. I went to a bridal shower, spent some time with my husband and my kids. And I have to say that my favorite thing I did this weekend was binge watch Dead to Me on Netflix. And I can't, I couldn't stop. Like I said to my husband, Oh, I just happened to try out this new show. And I, you guys, I don't watch TV. Like, I sound like such a pretentious jerk when I say I don't watch TV, because I used to love TV, I used to be able to sit down and watch a good episode of The Bachelor. And I decided not to get a TV in this new apartment about 15 years ago. And I never looked back. And then I missed out on everything from Modern Family to Game of Thrones to Downtown Abbey. Never saw a single thing, nothing. The only thing that had snuck in is my husband, we would watch Curb Enthusiasm. So I didn't see every season, but I saw uh, some of that and I loved it. And that's it. And I got so into building my business, frankly, over the last decade or more. I just love the work so much. I love researching new guests to have on the podcast. I love reading books that are potentially people who I might be interested in having on. And just even if I'm not going to have them on, just getting to enjoy self-development and looking at things from different angles. I'm just so into that process. So um, it was Memorial Day weekend. And I was like, you know what? I need a little balance. And I'm working on just the self-care. I started off the weekend on Friday by asking my husband to pick up my kids from school and I just indulged. I got a massage. I walked around the block in downtown Beverly Hills. I went into Sephora. I got some moisturizer I didn't necessarily need but wanted um, and just had fun. And the massage was like literally the best massage of my life. This masseuse was like a healer. I was so impressed. And I just was like, I'm going to watch a show this weekend. And I was just like crossing my fingers that, oh, I hope I'll find something great. And I watched the first episode and I'm like, this is amazing. The writing is amazing. So I say to my husband, I'm like, you should catch up, like watch the first episode and we'll catch up. Well, I felt like I was like sneaking potato chips in the middle of the night because I just couldn't stop. It's so good. And he then watched one episode. He's like, mm, it's not really my thing. And then I heard him singing. Um, I believe the children are the future. He was singing that in the kitchen. I'm like, "Uh Oh, I know that you're up to the fourth episode because they sing that in there. And he's like, Oh, you caught me so funny. Anyways, the reason actually why I'm so giddy right now is really not only because I enjoyed a TV show, which just feels like such fun that I did something that was like pure, just fun uh, for hours. It's not just that. It's that I'm turning 40 next month, June 19th. Yes, it's true. And I am no longer available for things that make me feel like garbage. That's what I realized. I am no longer available for things that make me feel like S. I am just not available for it. And I think that that is a beautiful thing that maybe happens when you turn 40 or 50 or 61 or 32, but it can happen at 25. It can happen whenever you decide it. I think I've just gotten to a point where I am just so sick of seeing the same blind spots show up for me. And where do they show up? Well, typically for me, they show up in continuing to do something that I don't want to do because someone told me I should. That's one. Or the second one is hmm, when people are crossing boundaries with me and then me somehow allowing that. And I'm just, I'm no longer available for that. And it just feels really good. So I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so recently I've done things where people get mad at me because I say, I'm so sorry. I just can't show up for you like that. I had literally call it three, three conversations this week uh, with a family member, friend, and a co-worker. So it would cross all areas of life. And in every case, this person was telling me what they needed more of from me and how I was letting them down. If I couldn't do X, Y, and Z, and I knew that I was feeling that I could not take care of this person anymore in that way. And I made the choice to say to each one of those people, I hear you. I hear that you're telling me you're going to need much more. And I'm letting you know, I'm not going to give it. And if that's not going to work for you, I hear it and I get it, but this is my boundary and that's it. And I can't tell you how liberating that is. My therapist said to me, she's like, Kath, the only way I can describe it is I'm picturing somebody in a cage, but the person has the key to get out, but they're not using it. And she said, all of your life, you've been conditioned and you've taught yourself that you don't want anyone to be angry with you. So you will take care of everybody's pain. And it's not Acceptable. And the thing that I have learned, thank God, is that as I've grown, I have made certain choices where I've been free and I've actually done the things I love, which have been scary and I've taken risks, but there's always a new level. There's always ways to even be in a more expansive place, in a more aligned place. And what I can tell you is that as I've grown over the years, I have been able to say no to certain things. And you know what that does? It allows room for the things that you really want. Did you ever consider that you don't have to continue doing something that makes you feel crappy? There's so much wisdom in your intuition. The things that you feel drawn to do more of, that's really valid. And the more you lean into that, you're going to see incredible opportunities present themselves. The more you know your worth, that's really the kicker. It's like when you know your worth, when you know that, you know what? I deserve to raise my standard. I deserve to do these things that make me happy. There's no shame in it. This is what I want to do. I deserve to get to play. I deserve to feel joy. I deserve that. When you know your worth, you're going to invite in new possibilities. And maybe, just maybe, by eliminating the things that make you feel miserable, you're going to make space for new, beautiful things to come in. And someone once said to me, we live the lives we're willing to tolerate. Ooh, We live the lives we're willing to tolerate. So think about what lights you up and make that a must. Put it on the schedule and make sure it happens. And it's really important to have those boundaries with people. And remember, it is not your job to take care of everybody's stuff. I am so familiar with that job and I am no longer doing it. I want you to remember, just like I'm teaching myself more and more, to listen to your gut and speak your truth. And if someone doesn't like it, and if someone is upset with you because you set a boundary or because you let them know what you can do and what you can't, you'll survive it. And perhaps when we keep raising the standard on what we're going to tolerate, perhaps people treat us better. And yeah, some people might walk away. That's okay. You'll invite, again, just like new opportunities in your career when you eliminate the things you don't love doing. Same thing with people. You'll invite room for the people who really are meant to be there or the people who are already there will start to treat you better because you raise your standard and you teach them how to treat you. But the more you listen to your gut and follow your joy, the most incredible experiences are on the way. So please be kind to yourself, because. I love you. And this is what's happening in my life. This is the update. I hope you guys are doing awesome. I just want to say thank you for being in my life because this is just such a gift to talk to you guys a couple times a week on the podcast, but then also to read your DMs and your letters and to correspond with you. We've just created such a loving, awesome community. And I just feel grateful that you're all in my life. And I want to remind you that there's going to be an opportunity really soon for us to spend more quality time together. I am opening the doors to the Don't Keep Your Day Job Inner Circle very soon. If you want to get in the loop on what that's all about, you want to get on the wait list, you can find a link to that in my Instagram bio. There's also a link to it in the show notes, but I am really behind the scenes. So excited. I have been creating content and coming up with an entire plan for you so that I can really help you figure out what are the steps you need to take and how can you go from where you are to where you really want to be so that we can really expand and you can build what you desire most. So if this feels exciting and you want to work with me, then get on the wait list because the doors will be open soon and you will be in the loop when it's available. Okay, so let's talk about today's show. I could not be more excited for today's episode because I'm in love with this girl. Tracy Matthews is here. She's a jewelry designer. She's an entrepreneur. She's a podcaster. And she's a mentor to thousands of designers and creatives all around the world, which is why she and I have such an aligned mission. And I just, it was like instant. I was like, can I be your best friend? Because I'm really like... I got a thing for you. Girl crushing. Her jewelry has been in over 350 retailers, including Bloomingdale's and my favorite store, of course, Anthropology. She now works with one-on-one clients. Plus, she runs a few other amazing businesses like her Flourish and Thrive Academy, which has helped... Thousands of jewelry designers and makers jumpstart and scale their business. Tracy is also the host of the Thrive by Design podcast, where she dives deep into the really tactical strategies and best practices to build a sustainable, profitable business. And she has another awesome labor of love that she just started this year called Creatives Rule the World, which I love. It is all about helping creative, talented souls get unstuck from things that are holding you back, so that you are able to get paid to do what you love. And she's going to tell you all about all of this. I love her energy. I love of her passion. She is so brave. She's been through so much, and she's done it with such ease. She is a wealth of knowledge, and I think you will definitely learn a ton from this conversation. You may even want to take notes or go back and listen. If you can't take notes right now, go back and listen later so you can. Without further ado, please welcome the fabulous Tracy Matthews. Tracy Matthews, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. I am so excited to be here, Kathy. You have no idea. Oh, gosh. Well, that's really nice, and I want my audience to hear this. Tracy is a person who made a living being a maker, and we're going to get into the whole story because she's a jewelry designer. Then she started teaching jewelry designers how to scale their business, and then she started a podcast, and then she started all these resources, a whole platform to help creative people to grow. So let's go back to you, and why don't you tell us the whole
1: journey there? Yeah. So, I mean, if I really kind of plant the seed, I remember making some wire wrapped earrings for my mom for a birthday gift one year. I was like in college and I'd taken like a little hiatus off of school and my mom passed away and I was able to go oh back to school and I ended up totally switching majors, not to gloss over the fact that my mom passed away. It was just her birthday a couple of days ago and my birthday is like a couple of days after her. So it's always like this time of year is always a little bit weird, but also wonderful because I feel like that tragic incident was the reason why I was able to live my life being an entrepreneur and mm. being a maker and really having the courage to put myself out there because she was only 45 when she passed away. And to me, it always seems so sad when I was 22 years old, um, seeing my mother pass away, that someone never really had the opportunity to like live their life full out because she was just at this moment in in time when she was kind of finally finding her groove. My parents had gotten divorced. She was engaged to another man, kind of ditched all of her preconceived notions of what things were supposed to look like. and oh was really going for something that she believed in. And then all of a sudden it was taken away. So um, I had this really strong passion. You know, I was I loved being in school. I was like one of those people I got to graduate from college. So I was very committed to going back. But I wanted to be a fine arts major and fine arts classes take up a lot of time. So I ended up being a humanities major with um, basically having the ability with that major to take art classes. And so the first art class I took was this jewelry making class. And my first mentor was actually my jewelry teacher because I was working in retail at the time at Nordstrom, putting myself through school. And I kind of was like peeking behind the scenes of how buying worked. And I was like, maybe I'll be a buyer. But then I had this talent. My teacher was like, you not only have the skill, but you have like this eye for design that most of the people I see come through this class just really don't. And so, of course, like I was like a very vulnerable time in my life. I was like, "Okay, I'm talented (laughs) and maybe I should listen to this person. So fast forward years later, it was the late 90s. um, I had gotten married, moved to San Francisco from L.A., And my husband and I discussed this, that once he had a somewhat stable job after like us relocating and kind of figuring out things uh, in our late twenties, that I would start my company. So I launched it. And for the first six months, I didn't make any sales outside of like personal referrals. It was a little bit scary. And there was a moment when I had to have a little come to Jesus with my husband at the time, now my ex-husband. Uh, And he would say, he said to me, he's like, you got to start making sales on or you have to go back and get a job. So I figured it out. And back then, the way that you grew a business in my industry, making jewelry and selling it uh, was to stores because the internet wasn't around. I don't even think I had an email address. There definitely weren't weren't websites. And I remember uh, maybe a couple years in, um, I was working with a PR agency. I eventually took it in-house, but she got me on the Today Show. Wow. And that day... I literally sold out in a day and my phone was running oh roll, off the hook. So I built this business, which was awesome, and got into stores like Anthropology and Bloomingdale's. And sort of in the height, I think we were close to like a million dollars a year in revenue. Oh my God. And when 2008 kind of rolled around, it basically took my business out. I remember from September to November that year of 2008 bankruptcy notices from the stores or just like no callbacks about like overdue accounts. That was just the common thing. It was like so stressful. And so I decided to close it and I had to eventually file for bankruptcy. And basically the whole thing spiraled out. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
1: don't want anyone to think that that's a reason not to start a business, I would say, because I learned some really valuable lessons. And after I closed the business, I went through this kind of period of soul searching to figure out like what is it that I want to do? Maybe I'll go teach yoga. Maybe I will yeah. start a new jewelry business. In fact, I was recruited by a 400 million dollar company at the time to go design for them. And I remember wow. walking down the streets of Soho. My dad called me randomly, he never calls me, but he happened to and I said, "Well, dad, I'm just walking home from this interview." And he told me he's like, "I think you should take the job." Like, and I thought about it and I was like, "But like all my freedom's gone." comes at and, a cost. You're paying for yeah, it in other ways. Yeah. And so I turned it down and instead negotiated like a part-time freelance gig with them. Oh, interesting. And this allowed me the freedom to kind of build this new business. So I kind of had like this soft launch for a new jewelry company and it was working out. But like after that call, I just kind of had like a talk with myself. I'm like, you know what? You're resilient. You can do this. And once I really committed to that, Everything shifted in my jewelry business. And when in this new business, it was a totally different business model. I was using my website as a tool. I was working more like a private jeweler where I'd work with private clients and design engagement rings. I was really passionate about this new project that I had to design, uh, redesign family heirlooms. And within an 18 month time span, I went from having like $2,000 in sales to $30,000 in profits. So that that sort of evolved, and during that time, I would have designers reaching out to me asking for help with their business. Like, can I pick your brain, or yeah. can I take you to coffee? Yeah. And you know that those years of experience in my time, you know, I really I love to help people, but at a certain period of time, I also have to grow my own businesses. So if you want to yeah. pick my brain, like, let's do a consulting package. So I started right. consulting with some designers, and that's how Flourish and Thrive evolved because. I realized that most people who were just starting out, especially independent jewelry brands, what I realized was that a lot of them couldn't afford $1,000 or $1,500 a month to work with me. So it was like, how can I package all this and turn it into something where they would learn a year's worth of consulting from me in eight weeks in a course and implement it. And so that's how Flourish and Thrive came about. I co-founded it with my friend, Robin Kramer, who I'd met in the industry. She's a sales expert. And now we've helped... We have tens of thousands of people on our email list and we've helped oh my God. thousands of designers grow successful brands. And it's very exciting. And there we have coaching and uh, a membership and we have
0: also our courses as well. Oh my God. It's so cool. That is so awesome. So let's get into that a little bit. What are some of the things that you teach in that class? What are some of the steps once you say, okay, I want to open an Etsy store. What's on the map between that first initial desire to actually succeeding?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of steps, but it's not anything to be overwhelmed with. I personally believe that Etsy is a great secondary platform. I have to be really clear on my stance on this because it was not something that was around. I think the biggest mistake that a lot of makers make is that they put all their eggs in a basket like Etsy or Amazon, and then they're basically controlled by an algorithm that tells people who to buy from. And you have zero control over your customers, zero control over your sales, zero control over anything. And I've seen so many Mm -hmm. designers. In fact, there was a designer in our community um, had built her business selling cheap and cheerful items on Amazon and Etsy. Her Etsy and Amazon sales are down 75% this year Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: she can't do anything about it except for we're like, girl, we've been telling you for the last nine months to build your email list and start to transition those people. But All these platforms have such strict rules about who owns the customer that you can't re-communicate with someone. And we know that 80% of your fan base, of those true fans, if you haven't, if you guys haven't heard of the thousand true fans philosophy, go Google that because you don't need to sell to everyone. If you can find that group of true fans that buy from you every year, or ever, a couple times a year, you can build a very successful business. You don't need yeah. millions of customers.
0: Yeah. Tell us again, what should we Google or explain it to us? Because now I'm really interested in what you're referring to. Yeah. It's called A Thousand True Fans. It was a blog post written by
1: this guy, Kevin Kelly. And basically the philosophy is as an artist, it's easy to make $100,000 a year if you were selling $100 to a 1, thousand people over that year. And if you can get those people to buy from you every single year, you can have a successful business. And now if you, if you change the price point, you can figure out like how many people do I really need to get to actually have a successful business. And I love breaking things down this way because I think one thing I know that creatives get really overwhelmed with is money. Like there's multiple reasons around this. I'm on a mission to crush this starving artist syndrome thing. Cause I think it's BS, but
0: Oh my god! Um, I love they you. get overwhelmed Everything by like. Everything you say F- I'm just like I love,
1: I love. <laughs> yes, but the, this eighty percent rule is that twenty percent of your customers make up eighty percent of your sales. And if you have, if you're on Etsy or Amazon and you have no way of communicating with those people again, yes. how are you going to build a thousand true fans? You just can't. And so the first thing that we teach is to really create what we call a desired sharing proposition. But it's really about. Uh, jewelry is like a desired thing. It's not something in in most cases that people need, unless they're buying like magnetic jewelry to cure arthritis right. or it's right. a medical right. bracelet, right. right? Right, of course, yes. So th- it's just something people like, and it, it has meanings. It captures moments in time. It tells stories, or it might bring you back to a loved one, you know, with, especially with the work that I do. Yeah. There's su- such different reasons why people buy it has nothing to do with a need. And so we call it the desired sharing proposition and basically walks you through everything that you need to build a successful brand from the brand foundations, building your brand, communicating with the perfect people and uh, positioning your message so that it actually is connecting with people because when people land on an independent designer's website, you know, you're, you have a limited budget. So there's just so many things that you can do to basically capture their attention, you know, before they bounce, you know, and, And that has to come through in imagery and words. And the more that you can speak through your imagery and the words that you Mm. use, even if it's just a few, um, our friend, Laura loves to talk about this stuff. Yes. And the more you can hook them and capture their attention within that first 30 seconds, the chances of them taking the next step and actually like clicking through to your shop or wherever is so much higher. And so Mm -hmm. all these things matter. You can't just make pretty jewelry. Like it has to be all the things. Yeah, And then when you could do this and you you feel comfortable talking about what you do, sales become really easy because it's just an extension Mm -hmm. of you talking about the work that you love and who your product is
0: for. Very true. Okay, this has been such an incredible conversation. But before we go on, let's just say a quick thanks to our sponsor. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it's expensive, and there's too many carriers to choose from. It's just overwhelming. But ShipStation is making this process so much easier. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. I see you guys growing your side hustle and selling your jewelry, your scarves, your hand-lettered mugs. And in order to scale that, I think it'll be super helpful to have a system like ShipStation in place so you can send out more product and share more of your gifts with the world. No matter Where you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface so you can easily manage them from any device, even your cell phone. For someone who's like me, always on the go, this can be such a game changer. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. Right now, my listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use promo code DREAMJOB. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code DREAMJOB. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. I'm sitting here literally taking notes. So let's talk about some of the psychology here because all of these things are so critical, what you were just saying. Now, what happens is the fear comes in, the imposter syndrome comes in, the self doubt comes in. How do you help people through that feeling of, well, that might be fine for Tracy, but who am I like my designs aren't that good? Or who would I be to even begin to charge and put a value on something that I just make? Like, I don't know if it's worth anything. How do you help people through that? Oh, gosh,
1: this is like a daily practice for me, because I think the number one thing that people feel is overwhelmed by all the things that they have to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And so from a productivity standpoint, I would say, you know, it's like in our courses and how we teach, we try to teach things in a linear order. Like, here's where to start, get that nailed down, and then keep adding the layers. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the imposter syndrome, I mean, there's truth in a lot of things, you know, like our industry, the jewelry industry is very competitive. That is not a reason to not go into it. And that's not a reason to not compete with other people. Yeah, I don't really believe in competition because I don't, there's like, in fact, I'm mentoring like five students right now who have the exact same business model as me. They mm-hmm. do engagement rings, mm-hmm. wedding bands, and heirloom redesign. That is right. like their exact business model. Right. And they learned it from me, but I'm like, you know, they have a local following like my customer base is international and primarily based in New York and San Francisco. And so I think that there are millions of people in this world. There's no reason why people shouldn't play the game and compete to get customers and clients. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that when it comes to pricing and confidence, it's always stressful. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's proven that when you underprice, you get fewer sales. Wow. When I tell my students, is like when you can find that fine line and also create a product that is different. And I think the challenge is there's so many people who are just, they basically have a glorified hobby and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to have a real business, you have to make sales. And so you have to get over yourself and you have to like overcome that fear. And you also have to create an innovative product that is different enough, the messaging is different enough that people connect and resonate with it. And it's not like you're, creating a new invention or win the Saul Bell award or something like that for jewelry. Yeah. It's yeah. it's really about creating a collection that's cohesive and and this this is for anyone who's creative because if you're an artist, it would be the same thing. There should be this cohesive nature that when people read it, they know it's you. And so yeah. having that like a coat, we call it a cohesive collection and being able to kind of tie like the thing that you're known for throughout all all of your body of work and then but also be, be evolutionary because you have to evolve your product and design Mm -hmm. over time. Like these are the things that keep you ahead of the game. And I see designers and people in this industry, they're worried about getting knocked off. They don't want to put their stuff out there. They don't want to ask the right price or they're so terrified of sales. And I'm like, your focus is on the wrong thing. Yeah. Be flattered. Number one, if someone knocks you off. I mean, if it's blatant, like taking your design and dropping it in a mold and literally like reproducing your work, that's a different story. But a lot of these things have been like passed down through time and there aren't a lot of really original ideas. It's really Mm -hmm. just your take on that idea and how can you make it your own and make it something that uh, people know you for. Yeah. Also just, you know, over the years I've had people tell me, you know, buyers and store buyers or whatever, like that they always prefer to work with the maker. That's how they get connected to the story and everything is sold through stories these days. It's your story. It's the brand story. It's the story of the person. Stories are what people buy. And so the more you can get over yourself and believe that you can sell because you can, it's really just about providing value. Uh, The more successful you will always be because as I said earlier, you don't have a business if you're not making money. And so just because you make something beautiful, you you will always have to learn to sell. And then maybe as your business grows, you can bring in other people. But I guarantee you, if you get really good at this, no one
0: you ever hire will ever be able to sell more than you. It's so true. And I just want to unpack it a little bit more. Sure. If you're not making money, you don't have a business. And you said in order to sell, it's really not sales. It's just, it's adding value. And you also talked about storytelling and that that's the way to sell. So let's look at that for a second. Cause I know that mm-hmm. we're people get the most uncomfortable is when they actually have to go to sell the thing and they feel like they have Mm -hmm. to apologize. So let's talk about how you've been successful doing sales and what it looks like when you do outreach. What does it mean to lead with storytelling? What does it mean to sell through value?
1: Yeah. So the number one conversion tool I have on my jewelry website is a video. Selling doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be you necessarily interfacing with people. It's learning to use all the marketing assets that you have around you right. to do the sales work for you so that when you actually do get on a call with someone, they're ready for it. And mm-hmm. they expect to have a conversation about sales. I was really good at sales. In fact, when I was at Nordstrom, I was like on track to be a pace setter for sales at Nordstrom. When it came to selling my own stuff, it was terrifying. And Uh, I had to sit there and cold call stores because there was no even email back then. I would pick up the phone and say, Hey, can I talk to your buyer and be like, you know, I designed this contemporary line of jewelry and just trying to describe it over the phone Mm -hmm. and talk about inspirations and motivations. My biggest lesson in sales came in 2007 when I was on QVC and on QVC, they make you go through this process. And the woman was like, so why do people buy jewelry? And I was like, oh, because of the way it looks or uh, they buy my jewelry because it's light and they don't notice it. And she's like, no, no. And then she kept like, like everyone in the room was like coming up with ideas. And I'm like, no, I'm like, well, that's how I've always sold it. And she's like, it's because of the way it makes them feel. So if you can tap into that emotion, because, you know, someone wearing my jewelry at that time, when I was on QVC, they might be walking down the street and feel sexy or flirty or, It might be something that gives them confidence to get that job or something like that. It's designed for people like me who want something that no one else can have. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, no one else is going to have this. This is designed specifically for you. And the story behind it is basically, you know, the story of the gems or where they were sourced or the family lineage that goes into it. And so a lot of times when I'm selling on the phone to my customers, it's really a conversation about getting to know them because- how I design is really by tapping into what matters to them. And so I'm able to like, basically like repeat back what's, what's valuable to them, what's important to them, but also share like my story of loss and my story of grief. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that anyone can learn and it's really easy, but I think the simpler you can keep it on the front end. So keep it short and sweet, develop a hook that gets people like to respond and get people engaged in your brand. And so if you're doing more of an e-commerce style thing, a lot of that comes through like the imagery that you create and the calls to action on the graphics and the emails. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it's not as much the words you use, it's the feeling that you can give to people. Brilliant. And so if anyone here is designing a physical product in particular, like think about like what it means to you or or survey people who actually have encountered or bought your product, or even if they Mm. haven't, people who buy products like that. And try to understand what are their motivations to buy? Because the more you can communicate those feelings in your messaging and the imagery that you use and the simple few words that you use, the more people will respond to you, the more they will reply to your emails, the more they will just buy straight out of an email or a campaign.
0: One specific thing I want to ask you to take it even further We had talked about how important it is to have an email list. In fact, that was the first thing that you really said, find your audience and nurture your audience and really connect to them. And I understand from a person who's creating content, how to create an email list because I can give somebody a cheat sheet or I can give them some piece of value for an opt-in. If you're a proprietor, if you're a maker, if you have jewelry, if you have a something rather than information what do you use to gra- grab people to put, get them on your email list? What are you using as an opt-in? Is it like 10% off coupon? It's a combination of things because I
1: have to be honest with you. The go-to that everyone wants to do is a discount and I hate discounts, especially for jewelry. I think it's if someone isn't ready to buy, they aren't going to sign up for a 10% right. discount. And so what I usually typically recommend my designers to do is to have multiple things. And the thing that I'm really we're really testing right now that I love are quizzes. And, um, I mentored Ooh, with, Ryan
0: Le...
1: <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of quizzes for a jewelry product because there's a lot of different angles that you can take. Um, oh, so fun. Yes. Like, you know, what does your fashion sense say about the type of engagement ring you should buy? Or what does your favorite colored gemstone say about your personality and the more kitschy and fun you can make it and unexpected, the more powerful that becomes as a tool. Now, what I will say is brand building for a product-based business has many facets and it's not just building your email list. It's not just writing a blog. It's not just Instagram. It's all how all the things work together uh, because there is like a real thing about getting traffic to your website and then getting enough of that traffic to take the next action. So mm-hmm. the purpose of using a lead magnet, like a styling guide or a layered necklace guide or a jewelry cleaning guide or a quiz would be that on the other side of it you have a sales funnel or a nurture funnel yeah. that is actually moving people along the sales process. Yep. If you're just sending them a result and then you don't communicate with them after, it's basically yeah. like wasted time and energy. And this is yeah. these are things that you can pull from, you know, digital like serious digital marketers that yep. actually work. Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, I have a few more questions, but first let's just say a quick thanks to our friends over at Skillshare. We've had so many wise guests on the show emphasize how important it is to stay curious and have a thirst for knowledge, no matter how old we are. And Skillshare is the perfect place for your journey of lifelong learning. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes for creators, entrepreneurs, and curious people everywhere. Some of my favorite classes on there are on things like watercolor painting, just to do something that's enjoyable and you're learning at the same time. There's also classes on productivity. And lately, I was really interested they have classes like, Instagram story hacks. Just really cool stuff that I think everyone can benefit from. I also saw one called how to be good at sales without compromising your ethics. Really love that. If you want, you can explore other topics there too, like marketing, entrepreneurship, branding, illustration. The selection is really just endless. You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer. Get two months of Skillshare for free when you go to skillshare.com dreamjob2, and that is the number two. If you wanna pick up a new skill for your day job, your next side hustle, or you wanna hone a long-time passion and really master your craft, Skillshare is the way to go. So get two months of unlimited access to over thousands of classes for free. Go to skillshare.com dreamjob2 to start your two months now. That's skillshare.com dreamjob2. I want to talk about something that I know comes up right away. When you actually start to make this work and you're starting to build your email list and now you're at the place where people are going to pay you, I think a lot of self-esteem stuff comes up and it's like, should I be making this much money? Is it worth it? Like, I'm doing something fun. Should I be being paid for this? Or I did something that's just so like easy to do and am I charging too much? And um, I think also artists believe like, maybe I'm selling out in some way now that it's like making money as a real artist, someone who just does something for their own inspiration. There's just a lot of stuff that money brings up. And I'm curious what you have to say about that. There's two sides of this
1: coin. I've done a lot of energy slash healing slash all the kinds of things that you do work to like open up my financial abundance container, yes. not to be too woo or cheesy, yeah, but yeah. Like I said earlier, if you want to have a business, businesses require you to bring revenue in to support them. And if you want to be an artist that is making money or a creative mm-hmm. that's making money or a creative that rules the world as I like to say, then you have to like get over this money thing. And so what I've done in my history is, you know, I work with a financial coach. I meditate often. Uh, I wish I could say every day, but not always, but yep. I listen to things like Abraham Hicks and stuff yes. like that when I'm feeling down or, uh, my friend Kisma has a great audio download for prosperity. Mm-hmm. So finding those like kind of meditations or things that keep moving over. And then if you need it, like find a coach who can help you get over that stuff. I mean, we have a lot of those tools like built into our courses because, um, the one thing that I did when I had to overcome feeling like a total loser, failure, like I was a terrible business person after my company failed and I had to file for bankruptcy mm-hmm. was I did daily affirmations mm-hmm. and took three actions a day to support wow. my goals in those affirmations. And so I would I had this three sentence affirmation. I said it 25 times in the morning, 25 times in the evening,
3: mm-hmm. and it
1: was very specific about what I was trying to create at that time. I was trying to bring in $15,000 a month in profit. And I also wove in there that people will pay me highly because of my creativity and they value the creative genius that I have or something like that. Yeah, beautiful. And so really understanding that people want art. They want jewelry. They want fashion. People want these things. The people who call themselves not creative, they want the stuff. Even creative people want the stuff. And so there is value in it. And I think it really just is about mindset and overcoming your
0: beliefs about yourself and what you, and what you deserve. And trust me, it's like a work in progress. A hundred percent. When Gretchen Rubin was on the show a while back, we talked about how there's just a, a lot of stories around money where people attach the idea that if you have money, somehow you're greedy and nobody wants to be greedy and not nice. So they actually distance themselves from money so that therefore they're not greedy and not nice. And she turned it around and said, if you have money, is it possible that you could be even more generous? Is it mutually exclusive? No. Are there people with money who are jerks? Sure. Are there people who are poor who are jerks? Yes. Are there people who have (laughs) money who have built hospitals and help people who don't have water get it? Yeah. Yeah. That is the truth.
1: And money like makes things a lot easier, I have to say. It it gives you space and freedom to think and be creative because if you're always scrambling for that next dollar, it's hard to be creative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And two more things before we hop off. First of all, you also started a podcast called Thrive by Design. And I want you to tell us for a second what that's about. So my
1: podcast, Ride by Design, uh, was originally started for jewelry designers. And when someone walked up to me at a baby shower and said, your podcast changed my life after (laughs) I've recorded over 200 episodes at this point.
0: Good for you. uh,
1: I said, oh my gosh, what's the name of your jewelry company? And she said, oh, I have a dog treat business. But you shouldn't be just talking to jewelry designers. You should be talking to anyone with a product-based business. And so... Uh, thrive by design is evolving. We just had our 200th episode. It's really a labor of love for me. And it's amazing for anyone who's creative, especially if you sell a physical product, because I talk about, uh, real life issues when it comes to selling and marketing your work and, uh, getting the message out
0: there about what you do. This is such a great sister show to what we do. And then yet another thing has been born from you, which is your latest project. Creatives rule the world. Tell us where we can find more more of that and what you're doing with Creatives Rule the World, what it's about.
1: Yes. Creatives Rule the World is really my newest passion project because I'm sure I will have many more in my lifetime. Yeah. It's really designed for creative thinkers, highly creative visionary types, the people who started a business because they had a passion and then they're like, well, what the heck did I get myself into? It's for anyone who's creative, but really particularly for people who are starting a business or who wants to be more creative at work. And it's just basically um, a place where you can go to learn how to spend more time being creative, manage your creative energy, because I think this is the reason why creatives tend to struggle once their business starts to grow, because they get sucked into running a business and they mm-hmm. don't spend enough time being creative. And that's not to say that there's a difference between being a maker who wants to make all day. That's, it's a different kind of creative. It's not that because I think it's really more about using your right brain to come up with business strategy, to have the space to like, think freely about Mm -hmm. what the next step is and, um, tactical tools because certain things have coming out of my students mouth. Like I hate managing people or I can only get stuff done between like five and 8am or, between 5 and 10 p.m. because they were getting interrupted all day. And I was like, everyone has the same problem. Like, right. why is this? And I realized it's because we don't want to set boundaries and we're not naturally good at actually managing people, nor should we be managing people. We should have systems in place. And yes, someone like really vetting all the things that suck the life out of a creative person who's running a business. And so uh, I started writing my book actually this week. Um, Hey,
0: congratulations. I'm excited. Yeah,
1: And uh, it's really the practical, tactical, and uh, like woo-woo things that I've done to actually like spend more time being creative. And I know it works because I started just like testing this on a few friends of mine and people that have been coaches in our community who are similar to me. And I'm like, girl, you need to start having a creative day every single week to really just like, nothing on the calendar. Yes. And you just like thinking about like what it is that you want to create. And also I think the other piece of it is creating boundaries and structure, which I think most creatives are like, I'm creative. I don't want to do that. But like the more structure you have in your life, I will tell you the more creative you will be because people won't be piercing that energy field that is really important for you to maintain. Yes. Yes. And the one thing I know is like as more and more jobs get outsourced and as I see my friends in their late 40s, early 50s starting to age out of their positions, like entrepreneurship is basically the only safety net. and creativity is the only thing that can't be outsourced to someone you know across the world or to a computer because uh, a computer can't be creative, at least not yet. Uh, so we have that creative advantage. So it's really my belief that creatives rule the world because your creativity is the thing that moves commerce and business and everything forward.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm just so blown away. And I know that I want to wish your mom a belated happy birthday. And I have no doubt that she just beams, like just watching you just be you. Everything about you screams success and courage. And thank you for sharing all of this and tell us where we can find you and get to spend more time with you. Kathy, thank you so much. That was unlike literally about to cry right now. So thank you for
1: saying that. And thank you for having me. Um, if you'd like to learn more from me or just hear like sort of how I teach, I'd love for you to uh, join me over at the Thrive by Design podcast. You can mm-hmm. subscribe on iTunes. Uh, some other dude who's a neuroscientist started a podcast last year called Thrive by Design too. So don't be confused. There's a picture of me um, okay. on the cover <laughs> and it's about you know business and marketing advice for product-based businesses. Uh, but you can find it anywhere, uh, podcasts are listened to. And then if you own a company and you're creative, I would love to invite you to download my visionary code. You can head on over to creativesruletheworld.com forward slash VC. Mm-hmm. And there you can download my visionary code audio, which is like a 30 minute audio with some of my best tips for protecting your energy so you can make some more money in your business, which is oh, awesome. So cool. Yeah. And you can find me on uh, Instagram at Tracy Matthews, New York. And then there I have handles for all my other, all the other places you can find me as well.
0: Yeah. And PS, I haven't even said these words yet, but your jewelry is gorgeous. So beautiful. And anyway, lots of love. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Kathy. I love Tracy. Did I tell you, was I right or was I right? So incredible. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have a website, an email list, and make sure you can reach out directly to your 1,000 true fans. Number two, just because the market is competitive, there's no reason why you can't play the game and compete too. Number three, you don't need to invent a product. Your story, your collection of work, and your messaging is what will make you resonate with your people. Number four, everything is sold through story. Number five, if you want to have a business, that means it's making money. Number six, understand how your product makes people feel. Tap into the things that matter to them and their motivation to buy it. Number seven, seek the people and practices that will help you welcome prosperity into your life. Number eight, have a creative day every single week. And number nine, entrepreneurship is the new safety net. Your creativity can't be outsourced. That's why creatives do rule the world. Okay. Now, Just a reminder, have you joined the wait list yet for the Don't Keep Your Day Job Inner Circle? Because I am rolling out very soon my signature coaching program, which is a step-by-step. This is how you're going to go from day job to dream job. And we are going to circle up and I'm going to coach you. And I cannot wait. I am so excited. This is the gift I'm giving myself for my 40th birthday is opening this program. So if you want to get in on this, join the wait list. So we will let you know when the doors open. You can find the link in my Instagram bio at kathy.heller, and you can also find the link in the show notes here. It means the world to me that you're listening to this show. I am completely aware that you could be doing an endless amount of things. So thank you for being here. I do not take that lightly, and I promise to continue to show up here every episode and bring... The most open, vulnerable, honest, bright version of myself so that I can be a resource to you to remind you how much you deserve and to give you any tool that I possibly can and bring on any person who I think can shed some light on what is ahead. So thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. You can always find me on Instagram at kathy.heller. I read all my DMs. So that's a great way to connect. Also, there's an incredibly loving supportive group, the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, where you can connect with over 10,000 other like-minded souls. If you know someone who would get value from this show, please share it. And if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. Also, we have lots of five-star reviews and they make me feel like a million bucks, but it would mean the world to me if you do love this show, would you take a second and go leave a review? Voice your opinion, make it heard because I am here to serve you and I want to make the best show possible. And if you have beautiful things to say, they definitely make me feel like a million bucks. So go ahead and leave a review if you haven't. And I do think that this particular episode today was so, so juicy and helpful. Such a good resource. If you know somebody who could benefit from this, please go ahead, take a second, and share it. I love you so much. Thank you for being the place where I can go to just feel safe and seen. I hope that you know that I'm doing that right back for you. And that's why I cannot wait to open this program so that we can have a deeper connection and spend more time together. Those of you who this makes sense for, and I can't wait. So get on the waiting list so that you can join me in the inner circle when the doors open. I will leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
3: are made of paper Let's make paper mache We'll build a world together with our hands And if hope is made of helium We'll be like balloons And float away Wouldn't that be grand Nothing lasts forever So we're all a little scared But we're not giving up that easy No, we wouldn't dare